So it's going to be a lot worse. San Francisco could see as much as, and this is from the report, seven feet of sea level rise by 2100. Seven feet. That's going to be. That's like Yao Ming. It's going to be. It's going to be tens of billions of dollars to protect ourselves from that sea, that Yao Ming sea rise. So people who worry only about the sea rising, you know, affecting San Francisco, Seattle, Los Angeles, San Diego, Mm. Florida, New York. Well, you're missing the picture. Even if you're in Arizona, now you can't build a second home. Now you can't build a home. Now you if you don't have a home in Arizona right now and the property is too expensive, you can't just go get your own lot and build it. You have to move somewhere else. So this is affecting everyone now. And it is actually now affecting, obviously, in an obvious way, everyone everywhere all the time. Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. My name is Jason Smith, and today with me is Alex Schur. Hello, everybody. This is Alex. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. If you dream of building a house in Arizona, it may just stay a dream. Arizona Uh-oh. has decided to put a halt to new home builds due to a lack of water to service them. That's right. There's not enough water. Las Vegas may follow with climate change causing unprecedented droughts. People may only be able to create new human settlements and wetter areas of the country. What's going on? How bad is it? And is this permanent? What do you think, Alex? I'm not. uh, I mean, I know it sounds like a little bit of a far reach, but I have actually done a piece of news coverage when I was in grad school, which is about climate change and its impact on different housing zones in Massachusetts. So as little as we think about how a hot day like what we're having right outside could affect the little apartment we're living in, it does have a lot to do with the climate. Until I read in preparation for this, I mm. uh, I knew that California, Arizona, Nevada, you know, they fought for the same rivers and the same mm-hmm. water. And I don't even know how they measure who gets how much water, but it's measured. <laughs> and like, it makes sense that eventually you can't just have the human population go unchecked because mm. every, we're already like fighting for water. And, and people have to, in California, at least, I'm not sure about these other states. I'm sure it's true there, too. Sometimes Mm. when there's a drought, people, you can't use water outside to water your lawn between certain hours or at certain times or for certain amounts of time. You can't wash your car unless you go to a professional car wash. I'm not even sure how they get the water. I guess they have to pay the state or something. Yeah, you definitely have to pay a lot more to get your car clean. So if there are droughts where people are rationing water, at some point you can just have to say, no, you Mm. can't build an apartment complex here. Where's the water going to come from? There's not enough. So I guess we're starting to reach those limits. And this is what really surprised me is, you know, I knew that we were going to start reaching the limits of human growth. Mm. But to see that it started happening is kind of frightening. Yeah. it's uh, And then, like I said, it could be something. The word sounds big. Every word you said there sound like a big word, but. Mm. Oh, sorry. I'll try to use smaller <laughs> words. No, no. It's, and I'm just saying, because when we talk about concepts, when we talk about terms and stuff, we think it automatically makes people feel like it's something that's really far removed from their daily life. A lot of the actually really important topics or concepts that we should all know about, they sound like big words. Not that Jason 
is using big words, you know, mm-hmm. climate change, whatever. Um, and it all sounds like something that's so far removed from our daily lives, but actually really has a huge impact on every little thing we're doing right now, like the AC we're using and the house we're living in, the water we're getting out of tap. So, you know, I was going to say that a lot of Americans have a problem with this concept, but I think after, you know, New York turned orange, that mm-hmm. more people are open to the idea that maybe, um, human activity is starting to impact our environment. Yeah, I remember seeing social media posts about people who are, who's like, oh my God, what is going on? And and they're just annoyed. And then I, 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 I think I saw posts that are both happy about the government not asking people to do anything. I'm mad about the government asking people to not do anything. I've just, I mean, I also just read a ton of conspiracies. People mm. were messaging me, telling me to stop telling them that it was forest fires because they were like saying that it was some sort of chemical that, you know, the Illuminati had put into the sky or something. Oh my God. Uh, anytime anything happens, you these people come out from under, you know, their rock <laughs> and like come up with their weird theories. And they're telling you to stop talking to them about what it really is and how they should actually cope with it to stay healthy. Here's the unquestionable thing that happened. And that is still happening. I checked the AQI today at AQIair.com and I checked and it's still happening. The whole Chicago area is still engulfed in this stuff. And so mm. there are these massive fires in Canada and in the very far north, the United States of America. And these forest fires are causing this massive cloud engulfment of smoke in that region, which is is, you know, making the air uh, quality very low and making it mm. dangerous to breathe, you know, air as normal outside. But um, the question is for a lot of people then, are those just forest fires or are those forest fires <sighs> part of a light, larger global system of change that is caused mm. by human activity like factories and cars and deforestation mm. and, and so forth. Mm. And I think most scientists, based on the research that I have done, would agree that this is a human-caused problem, that forest fires are increasing because we have global climate change, which doesn't always mean forest fires and heat. It sometimes means extreme cold because yeah. different uh, climates are being <laughs> are, are behaving differently. You know, you know, have, I don't know if you heard those um, quite funny comments when we experience a winter that is colder than usual. They were like, look at how cold it is. And you're telling me about global warming. <laughs> you know, that's why they, they, they changed the moniker from global warming to global to climate cl- change. Yeah, because a lot of people are like, it's not getting warmer. It's getting colder. It was like 2004, 2005. This is what happened. One of the uh, senators who did not believe in global warming, that's what it was called mm. at the time, brought in a, like a barrel, you know, a week wheelbarrow full of snow and he pulled it out oh and my made God. a snowball and threw it at a, another person <laughs> and he said look there's snow outside that's like three feet high clearly global warming is a myth and so oh my god like, okay oh my god do your research people please <laughs> before you want to present an argument do your research I, learn I, your I, basic I said, science i said that to someone on twitter the other day you know they don't like being told that Turns out when you tell people that they don't know what they're talking about, people don't take kindly to that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people try to. We had this conversation about English translation and stuff with this person who doesn't speak another language and they're just giving their ideas about what translation is. And I'm like, what? No. (laughs) No. I was like, good for you, but no. (laughs) Do you translate? No. I like the fact that you have your own thoughts, but uh, sorry, your point is not taken. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. 
right. So San Francisco, it turns out, and we're going to talk about this in a little more detail later, may have mm. a massive amount to pay to protect itself from a sea rise. So this is going on around the world. It's not just yeah. San Francisco. I bring up San Francisco because I'm from mostly that area of California. And it's poignant with me because San Francisco is suffering from a lot of other social ills right now. Drug abuse and homelessness are out of control. Property prices are plummeting. And so San yeah. Francisco is not in a, in a great place right now to deal with a rising uh -huh. sea level. But they recently did a study that checks to see like, oh, how much is it going to cost to protect the city from, you know, uh, rising sea, sea levels? And it turns out it's going to be extremely expensive. So mm. the, and the, and the city is not going to be able to afford it. So just right now, right now, as in like the sea level, isn't that significantly changed there? It looks like there's going to be a $425 million uh, cost to just wow. go and prepare the city for like next year. You know, like for now. And that's not even to fix it. Yeah, that's not to deal with the sea level rises that are coming in the future, which will be considerably higher and faster based mm. on, I think it's a two Celsius degree change by 2050. Wow. So it's going to be a lot worse. San Francisco could see as much as, and this is from the report, seven feet of sea level rise by 2100. Seven feet. That's wow, going to be. that's like Yao Ming. It's going to be. <laughs> It's like tens of billions of dollars to protect ourselves from that sea, that Yao Ming sea rise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sorry, I just had to put that in perspective. You know, like the seven feet, that's Yao Ming, I think Yao Ming seven, two, seven, four or something. Have you ever been to Fisherman's Wharf? No. Oh, have you been to San Francisco? No, I've never been to San Francisco. Right, so oh, if you're... Okay. The tourist place to go is Fisherman's uh -huh. Wharf at Pier 39. So you go uh -huh. out onto this pier and it is these old wooden pier that maybe it's, I don't know, I haven't been there in a couple of years, but it's an old wooden pier that's only about five or 10 feet above the ocean. Uh -huh. If the sea level rises by seven feet, we're talking about having to tear down Fisherman's Wharf and rebuild it. The entire, like that's San Francisco's soul right there just being like excised from the city or rebuilt as something else. Else. Mm. So this is very serious. And this is just one city. So we're talking yeah. about cities around the world, New York City, Seattle, all over Florida, Florida big time. And we're mm. just, that's just the United States. All of these places are going to have tens of billions of dollars in bills. We're talking trillions of dollars of damage to the U.S. economy in the, in the coming decades. And we do have some say about how bad it need has to get. Mm, I agree. I feel guilty for it. This is not just about sea level in general. Sometimes when it gets really hot outside and I crack my AC up all the way and I'm thinking, I can't help but think, oh, God, all people are going to do this at this moment. And all of the exhaust or whatever thing that air conditions release to the air is going to make it worse and it's going to get harder. We'll have to do. It's like a vicious cycle that we can't get out of. You know, China's planning on building a new um, architecture, a new hydropower architecture in the Himalayas that is supposed mm. to be able to provide enough electricity, renewable electricity for mm. 100 million households, which is two to 300 million people, which is almost the entire population of the United, of the United States, States. <laughs> which is 350 million people. So mm. even without, you know, really advanced technologies like fusion, China, I, I feel like with high speed rail, if you're not mm. flying and if you're taking high speed rail and you're using air conditioning that is being powered by green energy, 
that mm. there's a very strong possibility in China, at least in 10 years, you won't have to feel guilty turning on the AC. Oh, I'm glad I will be very happy when that day <laughs> comes around, because right now I'm like, I want to feel cool, but I also don't want to be a contributing factor of worsening climate change. Right. Mm. I, I understand that. I am concerned about this house thing because, you know, my dad, my father, my daddy, he mm. was a construction company owner in California. He his construction company, which is a general contracting company, but also did framing as subcontracting, helped build literally Mm. tens of thousands Mm. of Californian homes physically on Mm. the ground, building homes all over California his entire life. And so I have a fascination with building homes. And I Mm. used to fantasize as an American about all the different places in America. I would love to go out and build my own home. And Mm. now that I see this article which is by Ben Adler, June 3rd, 2023, how climate change is causing housing market chaos. Climate change mm. is making it harder to build houses in Arizona or insure them in California and Florida. It kind of broke my heart. So there are some places mm. in America I could never just show up and say, ha ha, I'm building my own house here because the government would say, say, ha ha, you have no permit. No. Yeah. Ha ha, there's not enough water because ha ha. Alex has been running her air conditioner too much. <laughs> too much. <laughs> and it, so it, the article goes into the fact that water supplies need to grow in order for houses to grow. And that's not happening. And in fact, yeah. there are massive water shortages in mm. in cities all over the all over the country, all over the United States. And they're massive. Like in California, I know that there are several rivers that are not as full as they used to be, several lakes that are not as full as they used to be. I used to hear people protesting about it 20 years mm. ago and think, oh, I, that sounds bad. But now that it's starting to affect me, you know, I'm like, mm. oh, that is bad. Oh, man, those protesters should have done more. <laughs> I I know. But look, if I want to contribute to to the, the bettering of our environment and our climate, I would try to educate people more, you know, you know what, how I feel about the whole, the, the whole thing about how we could actually help with this. Cause I, yeah. th- I think, I think nowadays most people are very much aware of the severity mm. of this yeah, issue. I think you're right. But they don't, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to change their daily life into something that's more environmentally friendly or climate change, uh, uh, friendly lifestyle. People have been living like this for 30 years. So either, you know, jump in to uh, come up with a way to help people adapt or be an example Mm -hmm. so that other people could copy the way you were doing it. I think those are probably more useful than, you know, other formats of of, uh, raising awareness. Well, I mean, I agree with you. I do think that there should be a degree of personal accountability. And I try to be, Mm. I live lavishly. So I I would be lying to say that I, I am the best environmentalist. I'm not. Same, same. I fly fly on jets and I like to travel. So I am a major problem, you know. Does does high speed train, does a bullet train makes me make me uh, no, a better person I think, yeah yeah i think actually yes because you those can theoretically at least come from electrical sources that mm. are renewable or you know green but yeah. like flying is burning jet fuel so if you're mm. taking a high-speed rail first of all that's way more efficient mm. it is more efficient than a car and it doesn't use batteries like uh an electronic vehicle 
But like, mm-hmm. so it's probably the best way to travel if you're going to travel is by high speed rail. Uh, absolutely. Electronic high speed rail like they have in China is probably the most environmentally sound way to travel. And probably the way I, I, I travel often is which with which is in a, a giant passenger jet is probably the worst way to travel. So, yeah, <laughs> in fact, you are doing a far better job. Um, no, I feel better. Yeah, thank you. But in the future, <laughs> there will be hydrogen jets and salt fuel jets. So, I mean, oh wow! So, all yeah, China is now cornering the market on salt battery technology. It's it's a whole new field. I don't know much about it. It's just come out in the last few months. But there are salt energy cars being released that you can buy right now in China that are apparently uh, pretty much environmentally neutral, except wherever the electricity is coming from, Mm. which hopefully by uh, 2050, 2060, China will have net zero carbon emissions. So it is a matter Mm. of time, but what we need to do is slow it in the meantime. But personal accountability, which is what I started this in giant loop squirrel, (laughs) shouldn't be the main focus. That should be a small part of the pie of preventing the problem. A much larger and much more important thing is how governments behave, how major That's corporations true behave. I know that I come off as pro-China, and I know that so a lot of ears close to me sometimes, but this mm. is real. China produces the most PV, that's that's solar panels, and produces Mm. the most most advanced and the cheapest hydro. China's price point on its solar panel exports is the lowest in the world. China's price point on hydro and wind technology is the lowest price point in the world. So if you're, you know, Nigeria or the United States or wherever, the fastest way to clean up your energy grid is to import PV and hydro and wind technology from China and erect it in your country. And Mm. hey, problem solved. The problem is these markets like the European Union, like the United States, they Mm. add tariffs to these kind of products. Why? Because they care about protect trying to develop a local industry to produce those things to provide jobs. Now, I get it. In the United States, you want jobs. But we're talking about, you know, end of civilization problems here. Yeah. I think we may need to just, okay, get a different kind of job, you know, export something else (laughs) and import these kinds of things now from China, build them now, and then build a different industry. You don't need to be, you know, making every single kind of thing that comes out of your country. If China is Mm. the best at producing them, the fastest and the cheapest, just buy them mm. from China. I mean, as an American, I care about our economy. I care about my brothers who live there, who have jobs <laughs> and need jobs. But I also yeah. care that they are, you know, able to survive the apocalypse. <laughs> of course. That's a, I'm like, I hate to bring that movie up again, but it's like when, if you are someone just uh, who's just from the Bronx or Brooklyn, and then one day you're approached by some big guys and say, hey, we're going to bring you on a journey to help us save Earth from the end of the world. Are you going to do it? You're just going to be like, okay, I'm a tiny person, but I'm going to do it. And I'm, this is Transformers, guys. Um, it sounds like the movie Armageddon. This is probably every blockbuster movie <laughs> in, the, in summer theaters. So you're like, oh, okay, even though I'm just one person, if I could help, I would, because it really affects every single breathing species instead of just my me or my own community. Right. I want to switch back to the apocalypse. <laughs> Lifeful topic. Yeah, it's a, I love talking about the end of times. I don't actually think there will be an end of times. Of course, people like me are going to survive. Oh, yeah. 
listening to the bridge. Okay, so this is from the same article by Ben Sattler. I just want to talk about some of the problems that are coming up. This is in 2021, according to the article, there were 20 natural disasters related to climate change that caused more than $1 billion damage in the United States. And those Mm. catastrophes affected one out of 10 U.S. homes. And, oh, $1 billion of damage. And then it goes on to say those catastrophes affected one out of 10 homes and caused 57 billion dollars of property damage so i'm wondering mm. what the, how they're differentiating damage and property damage because there's two different numbers here property damage also includes how much the price goes down after the natural disaster for example if this piece of land i could have sold it before the before the catastrophe before the disaster um i could sell it for 100k uh, us dollars now i could only sell it for 20k us dollars then that 80k becomes property damage as well right yeah it's, it's not just sea level areas that we're talking about because storms and fires happen everywhere. These fires oh. are basically centrally located and they're around the Great Lakes. So they're, you know, in the middle. So people who worry only about the sea rising, you know, affecting San Francisco, Seattle, Los Angeles, San Diego, mm. Florida, New York. Well, you're missing the picture. Even if you're in Arizona, now you can't build a second home. Now you can't build a home. Now you if you don't have a home in Arizona right now and the property is too expensive, you can't just go get your own lot and build it. You have to move somewhere else. So this yeah. is affecting everyone now. And it is actually now affecting, obviously, in an obvious way, everyone everywhere all the time. So it, yeah, I don't I don't know. You can't just people, hide. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if, if a lot of us would understand because we understand it's like it's easy for us to understand flooding and sea level rising hmm. what it does because you barely can't live on water right but a lot of people are like oh what happens if it's just it's just in drought in drought like what if it's just dry what happens when it does become a place that's drier than what it used to be you have to think about the base the foundation of your house it's not going to be as stable as it was before you know hmm. and in in a lot of cities I know like this is my personal impression I don't have, uh, you know, numbers to support it, but I know that most of the houses have a yard and people love to have a lot of greens. They they love to have a lot of vegetation in front of their houses that needs constant watering and stuff. Mm. And those things, even though they're beautiful, it takes so much water to keep them alive. Mm -hmm. And that'll, if this neighborhood was balanced before with more people moving in or building new houses, building their new yard, it will inevitably becomes more dry. And when that happens, it's going to post a risk to the entire neighborhood because basically the soil under your house is going to become a little bit more loose and a little bit more crispy. So it's easier to collapse just in case. I mean, you're exactly right. And there were already problems that were plaguing Beijing 10 years ago. So 10 years ago, there were only a few subway lines. There were only a handful, literally. Mm-hmm. But they some of them were starting to stoop in certain places due to there being an underlying drought in Mm. Beijing. So China built something amazing called the South North Water Diversion Project. I know it's a Mm. a long, China loves to give things long names. It's true. It's It's, just a real. Okay. It sounds very (laughs) short in Chinese. Oh, oh, how does does it sound? Oh yeah, that sounds a lot South water diverted to north, but it's very, it's very, it's so (laughs) short in Chinese. So 
this starts in about Wuhan and ends in about Beijing. And because mm. Wuhan is, wow, it is crazy with water. I lived there. What's interesting, I, I worked in a school and we had a, a basement, which is just one floor under the under the ground. But there was constantly water leaking through the wall at the school. So oh, they, they no. had to rip one of the rooms out and rebuild it so that it was watertight. And then this stopped happening. So mm. like there's so much water immediately, just a couple feet down that if you dig a hole in a lot of parts of Wuhan, mm. most of the seasons, the hole will just fill with water. Oh, wow. The soil is so full of that's water. How, that's how moist it is. It's rains in every season or snows. Wow. Every like spring, it's raining. Summer, it's raining. Fall, wow. it's raining. Winter, it's raining and snowing. So there's no rain. There's no rainy season. It's just, it's just rain all sometimes, around. Well, sometimes it rains for like a week straight where it doesn't stop. Does that affect you? I loved it. Because right. sometimes Same. it was beautiful. It was clean feeling. Same thing. We were in, we were in not Wuhan, but we were in Hangzhou, the city that hosts uh, the beautiful West Lake. We were there for four days and we didn't see the sun at all that entire time but it didn't bother me even when it was raining i was like this is a beautiful smell and then the city feels just right just the right amount of moisture in the air and even though it wasn't sunny it wasn't gloomy it just felt like it was quiet for the whole time and i was like i could totally live with this mm. um with the, so this uh south north water diversion project takes this huge canal a massive river sized canal and runs water from the south to the north mm. and beijing consequently is not suffering from the drought that it was and also these places that flood down south jungzhou and wuhan can you know let out some of their water and send mm. send it to the north where it's needed so i think mm. the United States may consider this because on the Southwest coast, you know, California, Nevada, Arizona, all they, they need water. North part of the United States, there's an enormous amount of water. But, you know, mm. just like high speed rail, I don't think that there is the political will to and to cut through the, mm. you know, the thousand pieces of red tape that it would take to do yeah. something like that there. But here in China, you know, there's we are still in a phase of development where it's relatively easy for the central government to mm. implement these huge massive life-changing projects which are advancing the modernity and infrastructure of the country mm, yeah definitely looking at this article this is the second article this is by daniel trotta friday june 2nd 2023 arizona restricts phoenix home construction amid water shortage so it's not that the government said you can't build homes it's that, you know, sometimes you need one single thing to get a bureaucracy to work. Yeah. What has happened is Arizona has imposed uh, water restrictions for, to deny, quote, deny new certificates of assured water supply, which mm. you need to get a home permit. So the state didn't say you can't build a home. What they did is oh the, the water company won't give you one piece of paper, which you need. To be able uh, it to sounds so complicated. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just like there's not enough water. What are you going to do? You can build a house and then like die of, of thirst, like or go to no, the store and buy bottled water for everything. Yeah, it's, maybe it's just me. But like uh, a lot of people complain about Chinese people not being able to own land because we buy the, the using right to our property for 70 years right nowadays. That's but, not the whole story, too. Let's go back to that later. Go on. Yeah, but I'm just like, I never have ever heard of anyone in China worrying about these kind of uh, what is what is a sure 
stored water supply certificates, you know, stuff when you're just trying to get into your new house or build a new house or whatever. <laughs> so maybe, maybe well, I don't know every type of property that is being purchased and owned in China, but it's very, it's a very rare story or complaint or problem even. Well, can I address what you just mentioned about the seven year sure. thing? Because this frustrates me about when I hear people saying, I hear this on the internet. Oh, well, you're in China. You can't buy land. Well, that's not true. That's not true. Okay. So what you do, okay. In the United States, firstly, let's go back. In the United States, you pay property tax. So yeah. if you don't pay property tax to the IRS, what happens? They take your property. So does yeah. that, so firstly, you can't buy land in the United States if there's property tax on that land. So that argument doesn't make sense already. But if you come to China, mm-hmm. if you buy an apartment for 70 years or a piece of land with a house on it for 70 years, at the end of that 70 years, the government gives you either A or B. A, the option to renew, which means you get it for another 70 years, or they will they'll give you enough money or help you buy another other apartment of similar value in the same neighborhood. So it's not like you're you're you buy a home and then it just disappears into the government 70 years later. That's not what's happening. You still have the value of that apartment or house. It just changes depending on whether the government needs it. It's a kind of different form of eminent domain. So mm. and you don't have property taxes on your first home in China, but you do in the United States. So you buy yeah. an apartment for 70 years in China. Guess what? You own that house. We're in the United States next year. Guess what? You're paying taxes for that. And I'm just I I also people were like, oh, you know, it's just 70 years. I was like, well, the earliest age, which I already passed it when I imagined I could buy a house was like maybe at the age of 30. And I proved myself to be a little bit more naive. Um, But let's say I could buy a house when I'm at the age of 40, 70 years late in 70 years, I'll be 110. <laughs> I really think living in. Well, I think house. the argument for that is, oh, I want to give it to my children, which you would be able to do in China because you would be able to pass it to them. Yes. And the government, if they decided they needed that land for something, they would and they didn't pass it to them, they would give them another apartment. This is happening with a family that I know. A family that I know has an apartment in China and it's in a very central place of a growing city. And so the Mm. government's like, oh, we'll give you this much money for it. And that's a good fair price. And they said no. So the government doesn't get it. And so Mm. they're they're negotiating until they get the highest price possible. And then I think the outcome is, based on what I understand, they're going to get two brand new apartments. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds good. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. Moving on. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. Climate change is causing droughts everywhere, according to Yahoo.com, which is probably from another site, uh, February mm. 27, 2023. So there are drought, mega droughts. A 23-year mega drought has left the Southwest at its driest. It is estimated to have ever been in one thousand two hundred years wow that's a record breaking huh it doesn't sound good (laughs) i know i would think i was looking at the number of droughts that that have happened in the united states in the past years i even though the number didn't look that suspicious it wasn't like in the past 10 years there was like three four five big droughts but i'm still like "Mm, it's happening more often nowadays (laughs) Mm. well on on the on the same article Texas farmers had to abandon 74% of their planted cotton crops in 2022 because of shortage of water. 
70. Mm. That means three quarters of Texas cotton farming was wiped out by lack of water and drought. Oh, wow. So the so all of those crops just died. Destroyed. Yeah, you can't harvest that. That's that cotton is gone. Those farmers are calling their insurance companies if they insured their crops. They should be, though, right? I can't, it'll, it'll be kind of a disaster if that's not insured. Well, you know, you sometimes you have to do trade-offs. Do you want to feed your family or buy insurance for the cotton fields? Oh, my God. That story that is just forever, forever not ending. Mm, apparently, very heartbreaking. Lake Powell and Lake Mead are both suffering, as well as the largest U.S. reservoir on the Colorado. So there's mm. just places all over the United States where this is a very serious problem. And this we're just talking about one country. And this article only really addresses one country. So mm. the United States is what? 5% of the population of the world. This is happening everywhere, all over the world. There are serious problems with climate change. It may not be drought. It may be flooding. You know, mm. I, I hate to point out some issues in China, but China has had a lot of flooding in the Zhengzhou area in the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah the Hunan province. There's been a I've been, I've seen a lot of the footage. It's and that is not normal. So yeah, usually because of the land, the kind of the geographical distribute of water, the southern part of China is it gets a lot more flooding every year than just kind of how the weather works, you know, but I did feel like in recent years moving a little bit more up north, especially last year with the uh, Henan flood. That was just that was just kind of historic. Like it doesn't usually happen there as bad as it did like last year. Mm -hmm. Sometimes our memory isn't the best representation of how weather behaves. Mm. Like I was in the office the other day and one of my mm. one of my coworkers said it didn't snow in Beijing this last winter. And honestly, I've lived here 12 years. My feeling in my head, which it did not say with my mouth, was some years it doesn't snow and some years it does snow. So I didn't want to say I didn't want to mm. say that to this person because I didn't want them to feel like I was undermining their observation. But I was taking note to myself that our human memory, whether it was his or mine, is not a good representation of how the world really is. And that's why, <laughs> why it's important for us to listen to scientists who document this for 50, 100 years, using mm. all kinds of different instruments besides just eyes and ears, and, and to really take account of the data. Because the Data is showing climate change. The data is showing sea level rises. The data yeah. is showing increased amounts of forest fires, increased amounts of flooding, increased amounts of tornadoes, increased amounts of hurricanes. So whether we personally or our friends and family notice or not, there mm. is a trend towards more dramatic weather events around the world, which is costing human civilization. That means worker time, you know, to build, to rebuild, uh, like our lives are being dramatically impacted by air Alex's air conditioning. <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe we brought it back to that. I was just going to bring it to how a lot, a lot more awareness is going around big corporates, but I guess it's all Alex's fault. <laughs> I turn the air. I love the yeah, air conditioning, by the way. Me too. I'm yeah. sorry. I do. I try to keep it a little higher. I never put it at 16 or 17 Celsius. Um, I, I try to keep it at like 70 degrees or something, which mm -hmm. it, it cools me down, but it doesn't 
make it cold in the room. So mm. it makes me feel less guilty. But I was going to say with everything you just said, it, it is true that a lot of more a lot more organizations are hiring departments or teams to work on uh, ESG, which is environmental society and governments mm. that put everything together to make sure that corporate whatever it's doing is not harming the greater benefits of the entire um, humanity, maybe just their local community, but it's important. And a lot more people are getting into that field of work and companies are willing to pay a little bit, a little bit more money to, to tackle that problem. On a personal level, Jason was absolutely right. Cause I was just, I kept thinking this conversation I have with, with my boyfriend, my family, with other people every year, they're like, Oh my God, I don't remember Beijing to be so cold or like, I don't remember Beijing to be so dry. I don't remember Beijing to be so this and that, but our memory can be completely faulty and it absolutely depends on what you do that season or that time like for example if you happen to be just staying inside for most of the time you didn't have to go out you wouldn't think that it's really hot but this Beijing summer is unbelievably sweltering all the time and we have a stronger memory we did break some records yeah right because I had to go outside in the middle of the day I had to go to some place that where I had to take a cat sorry where I had to had to walk to and it's too close to take a cap. So I experienced that hotness. And when you experience that 41 degrees Celsius, it is going to be something different from when you look at the, the weather and say 41 degrees Celsius and you're sitting in an air conditioned room and you're like, oh, well, yeah, sure. It's a little hotter than, than usual. So our memories can be faulty. And for us to kind of be better aware of the whole climate issue, Sometimes look at the historical record of what the weather is like, or even for the past couple of years, it helps to put things into perspective. What you said really struck home with me because I got back from Shizong and I was... Which I'm very jealous of. Let's just put this on the record. <laughs> yeah, I was really tired. So for the first mm. couple of days, it was the weekend. I um I just slept a lot and with the air conditioning on at a reasonable level. Mm-hmm. And but I everyone kept saying on my social media wow how hot it was, how hot it was. And I didn't know uh. this at all. And eventually I did open not for this purpose. I like to look uh-huh. out the window in my front living room just to see society, make sure it's still there, right? So open the <laughs> open the window to look outside and this wave of like heat washed through the room and I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's hot outside." We we I remember we came back from Hangzhou and then and, and Dalton, my dear boyfriend, was kind of complaining about like, oh, it's very humid and it's hot. Da, 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 da. And we saw the temperature in Beijing, mm. but it's Beijing and Hangzhou. And we're like, Hangzhou has to be hotter than Beijing on any given day of the year. We came back to Beijing. Our train arrived at 1040 p.m. We walked out of the train station. I was like, what is this? <laughs> 10 for 11 p.m it was hotter than hangzhou during the day i was like this is not okay this is not normal Mm. speaking of being in shizong which you you should be jealous it was very lovely i actually had the opportunity to go to a glacier so what how wait so when you say you went to a glacier did you get like close to it were you in the vicinity like what do you mean uh, by you 100 meters away from it looking up at it we even saw an avalanche and it was really cool is we saw it go and like 
about three seconds later, we heard it. So it was really cool. I'm not going to lie. I'm about to cry. <laughs> <laughs> so it's called the Midway Glacier, and it's considered one of the six um, most yes. beautiful and epic glaciers in China. Yes, I know so, off of that place. Okay, so we went to Midway Glacier, and what was interesting for me is that we had some local people with us, local, mm. you know, Shizong folks, and they pointed up and pointed out where it used to be and where it has receded to. Mm. And you can, based on their description, you could tell that it, in fact, has gotten smaller. Mm. And so this is just one of 49,800 glaciers in China, mm. which are slightly smaller than they were 20, 30 years ago. <sighs> and mm. so the, the reality is that the in the future, if we don't do something about it, there may be dramatic water shortages globally. Because where mm. is our water coming from? Our water is coming from being pumped underground, which is running out in many countries. Yeah. And it's coming from major glaciers and mountains, which are becoming smaller due to global climate change and global warming. Yeah. So these are real problems. And I don't just say this like a lot of people. OK, you, if you live in Wuhan right now, you're like, I don't care. Right. Ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> it's wet. If it gets less wet. Great. My shoes will be less soggy sometimes. Or something. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> but if you look at Syria and Iraq, mm. where the United States negatively impacted the political and, and social environment, what happened? Major refugee crises in North Africa and in Europe that have rocked their societies. Mm. If we have suffer from major climate change, it's going to be hundreds of millions of refugees, but they're not just going to be coming from one or two or three countries. They're going to be coming from everywhere. Every mm. country will have its own economic and climate refugees, which will be seeking housing accommodations and living quarters elsewhere. So if we have just just hundreds of thousands of people from Florida rushing into other places, property prices are going to skyrocket. Jobs, are, there won't be enough jobs. Like, there won't be enough food. So we're going to... The compounded effect of some people's cities and environments being negative, dramatically negatively impacted will be mm. that that impacts everybody. Yeah, but I don't want to... I don't, you know, I, I don't want people to panic over this. Panic! <laughs> <laughs> we need to move on that? Oh, no, we can't afford places in a different Well, we do need to area. transition to cleaner energy sources immediately. We need to stop Always. deforestation immediately. Always. And I think because I was just reading these news that, you know, if you didn't know yet, if you're listening to our show and you didn't know that China is, I think, the biggest market for electric vehicles. Oh, yeah. The EVs and um, EVs cost batteries, of course, and people are going to be like, oh, what happens to those batteries? Well, before you complain about it, the company's already planned out their moves. They have recycled a lot more batteries from EVs uh, so far this year than the total of 2022. Wow. So these, yes, yeah, these batteries are being recycled, they're being reused so that they don't bring, um, you know, negative impact to the environment. And like Jason has been saying, there's a lot of research and uh, production already going into making clean energy batteries to power EVs and whatever else that we need the, the batteries for. So we're already doing a lot of that. And then that's, you know, 
up to partly the corporates to finish their products and sell them, to make them well and sell them, and also the consumers to be aware enough to if when if they're presented the option to at least consider and perhaps eventually go with the option to purchase an EV instead of a kind of a, a traditional internal combustion engine car. On top of that, I just wanted to say because when you were when we were talking about mm. you know all of these other big moves, if you already have a house in an area that is very badly influenced. By droughts what are you gonna do right how do you help your house how do you help yourself how do you make sure that you're staying on top of the research and the news and how do you keep your house safe and how do you maintain your property value Mm. Mm. i wanted to say someone who you know our show we advocate for an environmentalism an awful lot that i feel pretty good about living in china and i wanted to say why Mm. i know it sounds like bias but it's not Uh, this is from Ren 21, as graphed by Statista, China charging ahead with electric bus rollout. Mm. So you can look this up if you want on Statista.com. This is <laughs> the amount of... A, yeah, it's not... No, not really. They've gotten pretty uh, bat, sloppy lately, but there's some oh, good no. stuff there. Actually, oh. I think I love our world and data if you like statistics. They have some okay. amazing statistics, our world and data. Mm. But this is... Uh, 2019, so it's a little old, but electric bus rollout by then. Europe, 4,500. North America, 2,200. India, 800. Rest of the Mm. world, 1,800. China, half a million. 505,000. So no one comes even... It's 100 times more than Europe plus. Mm -hmm. More than 100 times more than the next large geographical area plus. So China is doing amazing things with trying to make things work. The criticism from that or the question from that would be, oh yeah, well, that's uh, this. you're using energy to charge those electronic vehicles. So I have some more data. So where's that (laughs) electricity coming from? Okay. Solar power generation from our world and data 2021, China China, 350 terawatts of electricity coming from solar. The United States, 150 terawatts. Europe, 150 terawatts. So Uh China is producing more solar energy than Europe, the entire European Union, plus the United States combined. Combined. Mm. So, yeah, not only is China using electronic vehicles, but it's producing more hydropower than any nation in the world times two Mm. or three more solar than any nation in the world times two or three and more uh wind energy power probably yeah yeah yeah. i've got all of the data i've looked at it over and over again (laughs) the criticism is oh the china's huge and okay so they do still use some coal yeah of course they do it's a 1.4 billion people but that is slowly (laughs) being moved away and the some people say oh but they're building more coal burning facilities yeah to retire old outdated technology so the reality is that china is cleaning up its entire grid and per capita use china's not even in the top 10 per cap per person in china china does isn't even in the top 10 or 15 countries in terms of the output of fossil fuels yes Mm. china is one of the top 10 total fossil fuel output countries but you have to remember china is one-fifth of the world so (laughs) obviously it would be it's a huge country 
I, I remember I just watched this video earlier. Uh, this lady who comes from South Africa was being interviewed of how how she felt about China when she first moved here. What were what was her impressions? And she said, you know, when we're in when we're living in South Africa, we hear about China being a country with a huge population. Right. And so we would go to places in South Africa and say, oh, my God, so many people. And it wasn't until we came here and we were going to a place and our Chinese friends were saying, oh, there's a lot of people there. And we go there and we see those people. And then we realize, oh, that's a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that is that is exactly that is exactly correct. That's like exactly how you don't like we've been saying a gazillion times on this show. You don't really understand fully what you're reading or watching on the Internet until you actually came to China to to really see see it for yourself and what it means and what it is. And exactly, if you find a lot of times uh, media find one little story about a village, um, not saying that villages are not important, but a village may have 500 people um, that are not aware of, you know, climate change, they're not aware of whatever, um, you know, big words that we're throwing around all day on media, on social media, or even in daily conversations. And then people outside of China read it and they're like, oh my God, Chinese people don't understand. I'm like, well, <laughs> even if the, the, the farmers, the villagers that are busy with their life, with their livelihood are not committing their 24 hours into discussions about climate change, <laughs> they're still not consuming they're right, not yeah. consuming that much energy and they're living in a very clean way on top of that if anything they would they are required if there's anything that they're required to do to participate there is the the village administration which is part mm. of the government branch on a very local level that is going to help enforce and carry out the plans that the government's making for for everybody so mm. Know a little bit of the before, know a little bit of after about any media stories that you're going to read on the Internet, especially when it's about a country you've never been to. You don't really know much about. You know, I agree with you. Ninety nine percent. I also that one percent. I think it's dangerous to know a little bit of information because I get into an argument a lot with people who know a little bit of information. Um, They have a small piece of a much more complicated puzzle. And so they think they understand the whole argument. And then they present that like, ha ha, look, I found 20 articles showing that my little piece of information is true. And it's very difficult to help them understand that that is a small thing in a larger context. Of course. And when I say that is absolutely in very, (laughs) very relative terms when people are not even willing to right understand right. people We're not just even willing to people just turn the tv on and watch cnn for ha- an said, hour bad. Like, I, well i know everything now okay yeah. Ooh, bad <laughs> oh, yeah. you're listening to the bridge I wanted to talk about the housing crisis a little bit because that's really yeah. what brought me to want to talk about this today. Mm-hmm. So there's another article here. This is reviewjournal.com. It's by Jacques Belloud. And I, I'm probably butchered your name. I butchered everyone's <laughs> name. And Suman Naishadam. Mm. So this is June 2nd, 2023. Fairly new information. Drought Very forcing recent. Arizona to limit home construction. It, and this is the important part. Is Vegas next? Mm. So, you know, it's famous in a lot of American movies that Vegas was built in a desert in the yeah. middle of nowhere and they pumped everything in. This is similar to a lot of the giant megalopolises, metropolises that are being built in like Dubai and things where they're just like 
there was nothing there. And they just brought everything in. And so Vegas is one of those cities like Dubai, where there was nothing there. It was just sand. And they brought everything in. Can this kind of city be sustained in a world in which resources are starting to come apart? Well, apparently not, because Las Vegas is starting to debate limiting its growth as well. And so water in Nevada and is limited and in cities like Las Vegas and Las Vegas may halt all new construction. Kind of smart. (laughs) I mean, I'm just thinking I feel sad for these people. I feel sad for Mm. entire communities who love this kind of lifestyle and they're going to say, no, you can't live here because there's nowhere for you to live anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think at some point you just have to make that sacrifices because insurance companies are not willing to insure a house anymore. And there's probably going to be a lot more existing or long existing problems that are brought to your house by the long lasting droughts that you didn't realize. Because when I was uh, I was reading on this website called uh, climatecheck.com mm-hmm. and they were saying that droughts are having a lot longer term problems for your house than the other all of the other weather conditions, rainstorms, flooding, all of that. Those impacts are immediate, but the droughts um, in your area will kind of just slowly erode your house. So people really just need to more stay more vigilant the whole time. It just be alert and check your house a lot more often, which means it'll probably bring a lot more cost to you to maintain the house. And mm. if that's the case, of course, it doesn't make sense for for insurance companies to insure a house in a place where you're likely to pay a lot more um, and they need to pay a lot more to, to, to insure a house. But it's it's insurance. It's mm. I don't want to say evil, but, you know, they're going to they have to look out for their business as well. If it is the case, if drought is a consistent problem in Vegas, then it's just kind of like it's it's just sad. Like if you already live there, make sure you change your landscape to something that's more soil friendly. Check your house. Mm. And if you don't already live there, maybe it is going to be a little hard for you to start or build a new home in in Vegas. Well, I think people are going to start considering living in places that are more insulated from climate events. I mean, that's mm. only going to protect them in the short term personally. But when the ref- when when the eventual refugee crises begin, migration issues begin, then it's going to affect everyone. But you could move to an area that receives a lot of rainfall and that is far from an ocean front that is above sea level. So if you think of all of these things, you're probably able to find places that are you could move to like Montana or something. But <laughs> I want to leave this show on a positive Note, Eric Solheim, a former undersecretary of the United Nations, and Jerry Gray, who's been on the show a couple of times, he bicycled across China. Mm. Both of these people believe that we can use technology to find our way out of these problems. So Mm. both of them believe that we will be able to do things like desalination, Mm. where we can take ocean water, which is a very energy intensive process. And produces this product currently called brine. But both Mm. of these gentlemen also believe that we can eventually create salt, ocean salt bricks, condensed ocean salt bricks that can be used in construction Mm. instead of brine, which is released back into the ocean. And both of them also believe that we could, as a human civilization, produce enough renewable energy that it would make it feasible to do it where it doesn't produce fossil fuels 
to produce clean water. So mm. in the in this is just one technology. Other technologies are like recycling water. There are wastewater facility technologies which exist right now, which could enable cities like Texas to recycle mm. some of their water and reuse it. I, mm. I don't personally don't mind drinking water that's been purified that used to be pee pee. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not to that extreme. At least I don't mind it with uh, using that water to water my house plants or clean my house or flushing my toilet if that is if if i use that it's fine hey, i don't know about drinking come on come on alex it's clean yeah <laughs> all right that's all the time we have this show if you disagree agree or want to add comments that we will read on the air please send us an email at we love the bridge at gmail.com thank you for your time thank you for your time alex thank you jason thank you